Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We are excited to have a special guest with you today. And before I introduce her, um, Bruce and I, I'm Rachel Marshall. This is Bruce Weiner as well, my co-host that we come talk to you on a regular basis about how to make sure you're living a life and business that you love and having an optimized financial system. And we are pleased and honored to have Dr. Sabrina, and her last name is Starling, if you are looking her up, Dr. Sabrina Starling, with us today to really accelerate that message and talk about the work that she is doing in terms of the four-week vacation. And we're just going to really unpack that and a lot of things about having a great personal and business life at the same time. So good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel and Bruce. It's an honor to be here. And I just can't wait to share the message of Work Supports Life with more entrepreneurs. That is so exciting. And I'm glad that you're here. So before we jump into the show, let me just give a little bit of background here. So if you're in the position of trying to do business well, but it's sucking the life out of you, or you're cash strapped, or you're in a position where you're working and working more and more hours, and you're feeling like that's taking away from your personal life, that's not a good position to be in. And so we're going to talk about why it doesn't have to be that this hard, that hard depending on which um, perspective you're saying that from. So today joining us with the conversation is Dr. Sabrina Starling. She has a business called Tap the Potential. We're going to unpack that a little bit today. She's an author, a speaker, and a coach. And she's also called the business... Oh, I didn't keep it on this. The business psychologist, which I really love. Um, So she also, she believes that your work should support your life, not the other way around. So today, if for any reason, you're in a struggling position, I would really encourage you to listen in. And when I say struggling, I just want you to listen. That struggling doesn't necessarily mean it's just struggling to get started because we all struggle at some level with having this ideal position in business and life. So wherever you are today, it can be better. And that's what we're going to talk about. So Dr. Sabrina, before we um, share what what it is that you do, can you tell us how you came into this work and this space in the first place? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's strange to me because I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family, but I grew up in a family impacted by the legacy of traditional entrepreneurship. And I remember being five years old and watching my dad like scarf down his food and race out the door. And my mom explains to me, she says, Sabrina, you know, your dad never had a childhood. He grew up eating out of the concession stand in the drive-in movie theaters, popcorn, nachos, you know, hot dogs and soda pop was his diet. And that came from my grandpa, Slim Starling, who owned multiple service stations. And he had this great entrepreneurial idea one day. I mean, he's a true, like, innovator and disruptor, like we, all of us entrepreneurs identify with, I believe. And he had this idea that if you, if he would give away a ticket to a movie that people would come and purchase gas. So people who purchased five gallons of gas got a ticket to a movie. And so he erected a big screen on the back of his service station 
And cars started coming in droves and they couldn't keep up. They were selling tons of gas because of all the cars coming to watch this movie. And that he really saw like drive-in movie theaters, this could really take off. So he started building drive-in movie theaters. And because of the success that he had, it required everyone in the family, including my dad, who was, you know, 10 years old or less at the time to work in either the service stations or the drive-in movie theaters. And even back then, we hear so much now about how hard it is to find good team members in our businesses, like hiring is one of the biggest challenges. And so when we have these successful businesses, and, and Rachel, I really appreciate what you said about struggle, because when we have success, we struggle. Right. When our businesses grow and they take off, they demand more and more of us. Like being an entrepreneur is our greatest opportunity for personal development because we have Absolutely. to grow ahead of that business in order for that business to be where we need it to go. And so I, what I take from that experience is that hiring and being in business has always been challenging. This is nothing new. What we're dealing with right now in the state of our country has always existed. And I always, I looked up to my grandpa Slim and I wanted to be an entrepreneur like him. And when I was in graduate school studying psychology, I dreamed I was going to have my own private practice and just be an independent woman. Well, when I got into psychology and started working with people with severe mental illness, I mean, within five years, I felt like a shriveled up prune. I was like, I hate life and talk about scarcity mindset and fear, <laughs> you know, because that's what I was thinking all day long. And I, thought, I can't do this the rest of my life. I really like growth and I want I get so excited when people are being their best and working from their gifts. And I really, the side of psychology that's always fascinated me is tapping into our potential as human beings. And so I decided I'm going to explore coaching because coaches work with people who want to be better and better. And so I repurposed my skills as a psychologist. And when I did that, I had more business owners than anyone else seeking me out. And there were two reasons they were seeking me out. And I thought they were at the, at first I thought there's no relationship here. I don't understand. They want to talk about work-life balance and they also want me to help them with their team members. I don't get the connection, but the more I dove in, I realized there's a big connection here that these business owners aren't working 60 plus 70 plus 80 hours a week in their businesses because they like that they're they're they like the grind and they want to work all the time they're doing it because they feel like they have to and they feel like they have to because they're struggling to hire great team members and so they would talk to me about you know help me take your take your skills dr serena as a psychologist and help me make my warm body team members better employees and you know, I tried. I mean, and if there is a way to take a warm body team member and coach them up to be an A player, we would have found it because we tried everything and that just doesn't work. And so what I started telling them is you have to get these warm bodies out of your business because they're you're it's like spraying the A player repellent all over your business. You're mm -hmm. driving your best people away and you're not going to be able to grow. And so that's where I realized they need help hiring A players in their small businesses. And that put me on a quest to figure out what resources I could bring to them for hiring A players in small businesses. And, and there was nothing out there at the time. This was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And there's books out there that are great, like Top Grading and Who are excellent resources. And I highly recommend them. 
and they're written more for a corporate audience. So if you're an entrepreneur and you have a smaller team and the HR department is you, it's very hard to implement top grading. And so that's where I thought I need to find what's going to work for a smaller business and really get them on the path to growing. And so the book that I always wanted to write is The Four-Week Vacation. And I mean, it's, it's coming out in October. But before I could write this book, I realized I had to help them with their hiring challenges. And so I dug in and I wrote How to Hire the Best. And I developed the How to Hire the Best system so that business owners could take their lives back. Because if you, and that's really what it takes to have a thriving business and a business that's going to continue to grow, that's going to not rely on you, the owner, for the day-to-day operations of the business. And in terms of to just bring this full circle around wealth creation and financial independence, when you have a business that will grow profitably and allow you to have more time for what matters most, you can go and live life. You don't have to wait and retire. I mean, I know a lot of your audience members initially think, I want to retire. I want to retire when I'm 40. And that none of us really, we're go-getters. We don't want to be done at 40. What we're saying is we want freedom. Mm-hmm. And when Absolutely. we can design our businesses to give us freedom and generate profit and ongoing owner's pay, then we have that opportunity to make strategic decisions with the wealth that's being created, not just for ourselves, but for team members and impacting the communities that our businesses are located in. So it's, it's really much bigger than just creating a business that gives you freedom. It's really about creating a business that's going to have an impact for all involved and what I like to call life-giving businesses. Ah, this is so excellent. I think there are so many things that we could talk about with this one, Bruce, I'm sure you heard service station in the background and Bruce has that in his background as well Was your dad though, right? My father. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the same way. I mean, I can remember going out and I had a little stool uh, because they were full service stations. So you had your little stool as a 10 year old and you would put it next to the car so you could clean the windshield. Um, And then even as a, a younger child, you know, popping the hood and pushing it up. I had to have a stick to push it up because I couldn't reach all the way up there. Yeah. So that was, that was really, uh, and then of course, you know, Rachel's not nearly as uh, old as I am. So I, you know, drive in movie theaters were really popular. Um, And so that was a great experience. It was a great, it was a great idea actually. Yeah. I wish my, I wish my dad would have thought of it because a lot of people don't realize that uh, state service stations actually make money on their service. kind of the gasoline is like a lost leader. It's not totally lost, but they make very little money on the actual gasoline. Yes. Uh, And that's why convenience, uh, the the new turnover now is the convenient mark. And they they just have low gas prices to drive you in. So you you can buy the high margin uh, sodas and candy bars and and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's uh, where the money is made. But like you said, it's about service. Right. And that's how back back in the day it was the service, the full service station, and that's what people would go there for. Mm-hmm. What yeah, I think a very is, different concept. What I think is really interesting about that, though, is that even though the business itself might have changed, and maybe we're not operating service stations today, I think any entrepreneur can relate to that idea of there's so much happening, and even the growth sometimes can feel chaotic. And then we're just working harder and harder. The bigger it grows, and so. 
I love that you brought that up at the beginning and how that influenced your family and your desire to not be in that type of a situation. But then also, I just, I love that entrepreneurship was present and that you're aware of how present it was in your upbringing. You said so many other things as well. And it was really key that you started mentioning work-life balance and the team members being able to hire A players. And I think that can be a huge part of scaling a business that is scary because you have to trust someone else. You have to delegate, you have to train them, you have to let go of responsibility and you have to say, well, if they're doing it 80% of as good as I can do it, then it's good enough to continue moving forward so that I can focus on my unique ability, which is something Dan Sullivan would say as well. So what is that step that maybe is the first step a business owner needs to make to be able to let go of maybe they're non-A players that are on the team right now or doing it themselves to be able to hire top talent? So I really think it is getting clear on the why that we are in business. If we are in business to be perfectionists, then we can work 70 plus hours a week and we can be great perfectionists and really be good at it. If we are in business to create freedom and opportunity for others, then we need to align our choices and actions with that. And so when we get really clear on our why and what's important to us, and I find that so many entrepreneurs out there are so busy just doing the thing and trying to keep the business going and make it profitable that we're in that survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, psychologically, it's very hard to access that creative part of our brain. Like Mm -hmm. it's just not there. And so creating a vision and a compelling why is, is really the most important thing. And the irony is that we tell ourselves we don't have time to step back and get into that creative zone because we've got this to do and we have this long to-do list and on and on and on. Well, all the research shows that the less we work, the more effective we become. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't step back, if we don't start putting those boundaries in place with our business, I mean, today, this is an invitation to all your listeners to start putting some boundaries in place. Take a lunch break today, step away from the screen and go to lunch, get out of the office. It's fall where I am, first day of fall. And get outside. It's beautiful where I am right now and enjoy some time in fresh air and sunshine and just give yourself that space to breathe. It can be 10 minutes. It can be 30 minutes. Walk away today at five o'clock and turn your phone off and don't check your text messages and notifications until the next morning. There is, you know, when I worked in a community mental health center and I had to take on call, I used to tell people, I said, there's, there's two types of crises. There's the big C crisis, you know, big C (laughs) and little C big C is when you're bleeding out. That is a real crisis. Little C crises are all the other things that we respond to and we act and go into fight or flight mode. Like, I got to handle this now. This is awful. This is terrible. Like when we started recording this morning, I came in and there was construction going on. And I'm like, oh, this stinks. We've got a podcast to record. That's not a big C crisis. It's a little C crisis. It's an inconvenience. And so, but we entrepreneurs respond like, oh, fight or flight. And when we're in that mode, we're not doing our best thinking. So really the first step 
is getting it clear on your why. And in order to do that, it's about putting some boundaries in place with our businesses and taking some time away. That is so true. And it is interesting how many times we say at the end of the show, and and if you are familiar with our show, don't think I'm closing. We say success leaves clues. And what's really interesting is that I see over and over and over and over again, I feel like this is a billboard now, work less, do less things, say no. And I'm not hearing it from just one space. I follow coaches and I follow Dan Sullivan and I follow people in many different areas of business and entrepreneurship. And what's very interesting is that it can feel counterintuitive. It can feel like the opposite thing that we need to do because shouldn't we just have more activity and more energy going to all the things, but then that leads to burnout and that leads to overwhelm and frustration. And I'm not there for my kids and I'm not as present when I am there for my kids and I'm not really creating the life that I want. And so I love that you are making this a priority. And Every person needs to hear this. And it is so, so true. I feel it every single day. And it can feel so critical to focus on all of those little things that have to happen. And they seem like emergencies that need to be taken care of right away. When the bigger picture is step into creativity, step into that other space of your brain, making room for the bigger idea and and being forward thinking. So let's move that then into, you mentioned retirement. And we do not believe in retirement. And anyone who listens to our show as well probably has heard this over and over that what we want to do is be in a space that you're contributing, you're providing value, and you don't stop providing value. You might have a different role. You might lead your business differently and be less in the tactical, everyday work of your business, but you're still giving to others. And you have this connection with others where you're contributing and providing value into their life. And that is a rewarding place to be in where I would never want to stop doing that. And so I love that you brought up the idea that it's not just about retirement and it's not even just about financial freedom because that time and money freedom is for us to be able to fulfill our potential. But then really it does lead into, we call it significance, but it's the same idea that it's not just about what we can create for ourselves and our families, which is a critical, important piece but we want to be in a position to create that significance and truly have a great impact. As you mentioned, the word impact yeah. on the world. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I just want to share when I, when I titled my book, the four week vacation, I almost changed the title because as I've been talking about this book for years with people and entrepreneurs, I get pushback because I hear, I don't know what to do with myself if I take four weeks off. What is that about? And I I think so much of it is that we're so used to working hard. We've convinced ourselves that this is where I need to spend my time. But what's really interesting to me is as we've had more of what I call the four-week vacation trailblazers, those individuals who have taken their four-week vacation and got their business where it can run without them, they're stepping back and they're asking that question of what's important to me? What do I, who am I if I'm not my business? So that's really that ego separation from the business and recognizing that that business is a separate entity outside of ourselves. And 
part of our our purpose i believe we have purpose in life and we have different missions at different times in our life so when you have a business and you're trying to get it to the place where it is its own being and it can run without you a mature business that's a mission that's a part of your life but when you start having that space where that business doesn't need you anymore that's where you have that opportunity to really ask what else what else is there what's important to me and I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't want to retire. I just want more time for what matters most mm -hmm. in my life. I don't want my business dictating every moment of my day and how my week runs. And so that's really when people are stepping away from their business, that's when they start thinking about significance mm -hmm. and looking at what other contribution might I make. So we have business owners who are writing books and they're they're getting very involved in charitable endeavors or other other areas of entrepreneurship that have been pulling their attention. But it creates that opportunity to look at, you know, what is what am I here to con contribute in this world? When you're co when you're coaching somebody, well, uh, do you find a common uh, personality trait and, and do you use any kind of personality test to help uh, in the hiring process and then also to determine how you're best going to coach uh, an individual? Absolutely, we do. We use the people map assessment. Everyone who comes in to tap the potential as a client takes the people map. It's a four quadrant personality assessment seven questions 90 percent valid and in the world of psychological assessments that is amazing and so we use it because it's very easy for team members to grasp it and so we help entrepreneurs start understanding the different personalities on their team and that you want to build a balanced team you don't want to just hire people who are just like you and so there's no best personality type to have on your team there is a best personality for a given role mm -hmm. that you're hiring for. And so what you want to do in that situation is you want to figure out what is the one thing that, and Rachel, getting back to what you said about simplicity and saying no, when you're hiring, you want to have a real clear role that has a one result. So if that person in that role can only get one thing done in a given day or a given week, what is the one thing that I most need from that individual? And That's what good. in the follow up question to that is what personality characteristics are needed to deliver that one result exceptionally well day in and day out. And so just to give a quick example of this, Please I do. Once, I always had a, a, a young entrepreneur who I believe he might have still been in high school, maybe college, and I never asked him his age, but he had developed a food product. And he was selling it at a kiosk in a local mall and he was having great success with it. And he needed help so that he could make the food product and then wave down traffic to come try it because he was doing all of it. He was scattered all over the place. So he hired his buddies and it, he, he said, I don't understand, Dr. Sabrina. They are A students. They are dedicated, motivated. They show up on time. They tell me they want to help me. And I believe them. But after two hours, they are taking their phones and they are turning their back on the mall traffic and they're on their phones and they're and we're missing business. And I don't understand what to do with them. And I said, let me ask you a question. 
Are your friends the ones who, when you go to parties, like they're working in the room and socializing and talking, are they more to themselves? And he said, oh, here's what you need to know. They like to play their video games on Friday night. I'm the one who has to drag them out and take them out to go party and socialize because I'm a <laughs> social butterfly. And I said, okay, I think what you have is you have a case of introverts masquerading as extroverts. Mm -hmm. Your friends really mean they want to help you. And they get very excited every day they come to work that they're going to do better. But what you're seeing is their batteries, their personal batteries are being drained by all that social interaction. And when they're turning their back on the mall traffic, they're charging their battery, so to speak. And I said, I think you just need to focus on hiring extroverts because that's what you need. People who like people and who get energy from engaging with people. And he did that. And he got back to me and said, Sabrina, that has made the world of difference. He said, I never understood the impact of personality and the one result that's needed. And so he, he said, I'm going to going forward, every role that I hire for, I will clarify that one result. And I will look at the personality traits that are needed for someone to succeed in that role. That's very powerful. And what you're talking about is getting to the core of the uniqueness of that individual and understanding who that person is and not trying to change them or make them something they're not, which then just feels good to the person you've hired because they're just doing what they're wired and created to do. And it's creating this powerful result and they're feeling good about themselves and they're not working against their grain, right? That's, that is so true, Rachel. And what's interesting to me is that when we have A players in a role that aligns with their strengths and they get to use their strengths a lot on a daily basis, they will be 900 to 1200% more productive than mm. a warm body. The other side of that is you can hire an A player who was an A player in another business, bring them into your business, put them in the wrong role, and you will see over time their performance and their motivation going down because they are no longer in a role that aligns well with, with their personality strengths. Mm. So, how do you, yeah? How do you determine that though? Because in an interviewing process, you know, you're going to be in a situation where I think a lot of people think, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show people how I can do multiple different things." Yeah. And and so is it a is there a way through the assessment that you're doing that? Is it a way through, um, you know, calling previous employers, referrals, or ref excuse me, references, or is it just simply, hey? Um, we're going to look for these char characteristics and if it doesn't work, we're just going to have to get rid of them and then start over, which also is a cost to yeah. any business. So first off, you want to screen out the wrong people before they ever get to an interview with you and screen in only the right people to being in an interview with you because our time is precious. And the hiring process is one of the most time consuming processes when you follow traditional hiring practices. And those mm -hmm. traditional hiring practices, by the way, set us up to mishire 75% of the times for the very reasons that Bruce is identifying. Because you get, you have to be a really good psychologist to be in that interview seat and suss out the, you know, the BS that's flying through the room as people are trying to do impression management. And so what you want to do is you want to set your process up with tools throughout the process that screen out the wrong people and screen in the right people. So when you create the, when you have that one result, you get really clear on that one result that's needed, then you start writing a job ad. 
and you start with the end in mind and you think about the person you are wanting to attract and the people you are wanting to repel and you speak to the person that you want to attract are you the kind of person who gets energy from socializing does that light you up do you enjoy people are you really good with detail do you are you the one in your family who remembers everyone's birthday and you know so that's it and i'm when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a receptionist role, somebody who's going to be in an office, who's going to be the point of contact with the public, and who's going to remember all the important things about the people that are coming through that office. So that's, you know, a people in people map language, we would call that a people task type person. Mm. And so you're immediately calling out the kind of person that you want. And someone who's an introvert, by the way, I'm more of an introvert, I would read that. And I would go, oh, uh, no, <laughs> that's not me. Because, and, and then you start talking about what the job is like, and there's different things that you can do. So like you can inoculate people. And even in the job ad, you can say, you know, one of the most challenging part of this is that you're going to be dealing with all kinds of different people all day long, and you have to adapt and be friendly and upbeat. And again, someone who's an introvert like me would be like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> That's some training. I don't want to do that. And so, but somebody who gets excitement from that and who enjoys people would light up and they would be much more attracted and more likely to apply. So the idea is to actually have less applications coming in, but more qualified people in that process. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about um, this concept of not retiring. And because we still have, we still have people and it's okay if people say, no, I just want to retire. Cause I have this conversation all the time. I just want to retire. And then I say, why do you want to retire? Well, it, I like what I'm doing, but you know, but I don't like this. And then I say, well, if we can eliminate that, would you still want to retire? And then they say, they don't get it. They're like, yeah, I just, I just want to retire. I just want to retire. And I'm like, you're not listening very clearly here. I, what I'm saying is, if we can eliminate that, would you still retire? And the reason they can't they can't listen or process that is because they can't imagine that act that life of, of actually not having that. And what I find interesting is if I start going over the numbers though, and I, and this is a I'm setting all this up because I think this is the best way to explain this. If I start going over the numbers and it's somebody's somebody's making $200,000 in their business and um, uh, which would be a, a 10%, a very modest 10% margin on $2 million. Yep. And if they got, if they got a multiple of, of two on that, well, then they, they would sell it for $4 million. And then they still could, they still could live off of $200,000 a year. Now, the problem is, is that in certain businesses, you can't get a two times multiple. You might only get a one or a one and a half multiple. And so when you start telling them, okay, you're going to get a one times multiple on your revenue. Now you're going to get a million dollars. And if we get 5%, and I could argue that 5% is very difficult to get on a guaranteed basis. Yeah. And now you've suddenly got a hundred thousand, you're only living on a hundred thousand dollars. But if you can then hire somebody to do something that you don't particularly care for at 50 or $75,000. I, I actually show them that you can walk away from the business a lot more. Yeah. 
you're still making over the $100,000 that you would have if you retired. And oh, by the way, many times that person can actually push revenue much, 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 much further. And the whole reason I, I tell this to people is, even if you want to retire, if you set your business up to prove to buyers that you don't have to be in it all the time, the value of your business goes way up. Yes, 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 exactly. I, I've been through this myself. Like I have wrestled with this. I have looked at I want if you know if I want to sell, tap the potential at some point, and what do I want to live off of? And can I sell it enough for a multiple that gives me what I want to live off of? It's real clear to me. Not right now. <laughs> and and at the same time, I'm not ready to be done. I have so much in me that I want to do and that I want to do with tap potential. And so I look at well, okay, how can I move myself into doing more and more of what I love? I love doing these interviews. I love sharing and inspiring entrepreneurs with what is possible in their business. So it is totally possible to move yourself into a role where you are working from your strengths. And when I talk about life-giving businesses, when we have ourselves and our team members working from strengths, we get energy from the work that we're doing instead of energy being drained away. And that energy, we bring that home to our families and we bring it into our other endeavors. So, you know, I work 25 hours a week in Tap the Potential. I have energy from it and I take that into other endeavors that I'm doing, other things that are important to me. And when you design the business, which is step one of the Tap the Potential solution, by the way, Bruce, is to design the business to be sustainably profitable and to determine I want 10 to 15% profit coming off this business. And I, as the owner, I want to take owner's pay. That's this certain percentage, 35 or whatever percentage. Then that forces the operating expenses to be contained within a certain parameter. And then we have to get creative and innovative and make it work. But what, and what, what I find happens is I have business owners tell me, I don't need that much money. I'm like, really? You don't? Do you have a retirement plan? Well, no, the business is my retirement plan. Like, really? Let's, and then I go into that conversation. Let's talk about what you're really going to sell this business for and who's going to buy it and what's the, where's the value. So we want to design it to be sustainably profitable. But then when we take it through the entire process of getting that business to run by itself, what you've really created then is an asset. Mm -hmm. And it's an asset that doesn't require you in it every single day to generate profit and owner's pay. And then you can show, and if you have that on your balance sheet, for multiple years, now you have something that's really attractive to a buyer. And it's a very different ballgame. That's very much in alignment with Mike McCallowitz and yeah, Profit I was just First. Yeah. And um, so yeah, you've I'm, had. I'm a, I'm, I was the very first Profit First professional. So I have been oh, okay. this and utilizing this for years. That's excellent. We've had him on the show several times. And um, just the idea that you, and I was going to say it sounds extremely congruent and, and similar to what he was saying, but there's ways to be creative then around saying, well, here is my operating expense and I can't spend more than that because this is the need to pay myself first and put that, that owner's equity or the owner's pay or the profit category of my business in a priority and then continue to bump that up. And I mean, he says, and just the same thing that you said is we didn't go into business to just pay ourselves the minimum that we can possibly pay ourselves and create a thriving business, we went into business so that we could enjoy life. 
and have all of the things that we ultimately wanted to create that we knew are possible, but that we weren't seeing with a W-2 job or working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, and just to, to really provide a concrete example of how powerful it is when you have a certain amount of operating expenses that you have to run the business on and you have to get creative. Our tap the potential has grown 35% on average year over year. Like we we're consistently growing and we should be because we've got to walk our talk. If we're not taking our own medicine, something Mm -hmm. is wrong. Well, when COVID came, we had it hit during our retreat month and we had over a hundred thousand dollars in sales just dry up like that. Like business owners are like, I don't know what's happening. I'm not, I can't invest in growth and development, gone. And I had prior to that invested for our growth and development. And so we had our worst year ever. We took a step back in our numbers. And and what was really crazy is we would have months where we had highest revenue, like we were surpassing our goals and and where we'd ever been. And months that were like revenue from three years prior. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I can't predict, you know. And so I w- we were cutting expenses. So we have gotten the business down. We are running the business now on half the operating expenses prior to a year ago. And we're doing it and we're making it work. We have a very lean and mighty team and we're in A players and people working from their strengths. I'm not going to say we're not tired and exhausted some days. We're turning the corner, but every business can do this. It forces creativity. It forces innovation. And part of the tap the potential solution that I teach is you run the business around the sweet spot. And so the sweet spot, and this is from the pumpkin plan, also by Mike McAllowitz, is that intersection of your top clients and what they want most from you that aligns with your strengths, what you can be the best in the world at, and the systems that you put in place to support what you're delivering to those top clients. And so what's really interesting is getting back to what Rachel was talking about earlier about saying no. This means when you know who your top clients are, you know who's not a top client and who doesn't fit that profile. And a lot of times we have clients and customers in our businesses that drain the profit right out of the business. They, you know, they complain, they need a lot of attention and handholding. And we business owners think we need more team. And payroll is the biggest expense in a business. Mm-hmm. So we're going to add more team to take care of our most difficult clients and customers because it's not going to be the business owner that takes care of them. We're going to hire the team members to do that. But meanwhile, our payroll goes up, our profit goes down while we're doing that. So when we get super clear around the sweet spot of the business, we can look at who are the 20% of our clients that are responsible for 80% of the revenue in the mm-hmm. business. And then if we set a modest goal, to increase revenue from the top 20% of our clients that are responsible for 80% of the revenue, we increase that revenue by 25% over the next year, we can replace the revenue from the bottom 80% of clients that are responsible for 20% of the revenue. That puts the business owner at choice, Mm -hmm. whether or not you're going to serve those difficult clients and customers. It frees up a lot of time in the business for not just the business owner, but for the entire team. And then that entire team and the business owner can focus on those top clients and figure out how can we serve them better and better and create more and more value. So like, you know, I tie this back to Grandpa Slim and his drive-in movie theaters. He was constantly thinking about that question of who are our best clients and customers and how can we create more and more value for them? 
This is so true and so resonating with everything that we know to believe or we believe we know to be true. Let's talk about a little bit of your other work. I want to get into a little bit more about your book. But before that, you said you were conducting an extensive multi-year research project and really to study the state of entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit about that and what the findings were. Yeah. So what got me onto this is entrepreneurial burnout. You know, it's a term, we've heard it, it's used, but no one's really talked about it extensively. And I I would speak to groups of entrepreneurs and I would talk about burnout and I would see heads nodding and people leaning forward in their seat. And I realized I'm talking about their experience. And so this got me really curious about what is the state of entrepreneurship in our country? Because we all are after freedom. And we're, I mean, coaches everywhere in internet land are touting, I'm going to teach you how to generate more revenue and you're going to have more profit and more freedom. Well, is that really going on? What, you know, what is going on for entrepreneurs? I wanted to know. And so I designed an assessment based on the research of the symptoms of burnout. And we've given it to multiple entrepreneurs. And then we came in and I got really curious and I thought, is there a relationship between the strength of the business and the systems in the business and our level of entrepreneurial burnout? And that's what, what we're studying. And so our assessment, and I, I hope everybody listening to this would go take the assessment because it'll help us further our research, but it also will give you, if you're taking it, feedback on your level of entrepreneurial burnout, as well as the strength of the systems in your business. And you'll see exactly what systems you can strengthen in your business to improve your quality of life. I mean, how cool is that? So the assessment is at tapthepotential.com forward slash assessment. Takes about 15 minutes to take it. You'll get feedback. And if you want someone to debrief it with you, you'll have that opportunity too. But if you just want the report, you get that information. So Let's talk about what we are seeing. And these results are really concerning to me. So this is this, these results that I'm sharing with you are from 200 entrepreneurs over the course of late 2019 and all through 2020 and a little bit of early 2021. So right in the height of COVID, 84% are reporting that their mood fluctuates based on how the business is doing. find it hard to switch off and not think about the business. 61% say it feels as though it takes increasing effort to accomplish simple tasks. So right there, these are core symptoms of burnout. When that point where we feel like I'm working harder and harder and I'm not getting the result, that's where we can slip from burnout into depression and other other challenges in our lives because that feeling of hopelessness starts to set in like why am i doing this what you know what matters so other things that we ask on there is how long have you been in business and what is the longest you've been able, been able to be away from your business fully unplugged so the average response to how long have you been in business is 5 years the most frequent response to what's the longest you've been able to be away from your business fully unplugged, zero days. Mm. Five years or more or less, but zero days of unplugging, like no weekends, like constantly being on. And I've worked with entrepreneurs who've been in business for 30 and 40 years. And the longest they've been away is four days from their business. 
That's not why we're in business. And so then I start looking at, okay, so what goes on? What are the, what are the systems that are missing in the business and, and what's different about those who have fewer symptoms of burnout? So first off, let me talk about the systems that are missing. And then I'll tell you what's different in, in those who have fewer sy- symptoms of burnout. So the main systems that are missing in business. So first off, 85% say the business cannot run effectively without them. 71% are not delegating activities that don't require their expertise. The number one system that's missing in these businesses, 89% report they're lacking a system for attracting top performing team members. So hiring is just willy nilly. 70% lack a system for onboarding new hires and 81% lack a system for retaining top performing team members. So this piece around learning how to hire the best and have a system and how you retain, how you become that employer of choice so that you retain those A players, which is a big deal in our country right now because people are leaving jobs all over the place just because someone else offers you know better pay or better salary down the road. So it's really the name of the game for us going forward is about how do we retain our A players that we've worked so hard to attract. So now the question of what's different in these businesses that have fewer symptoms of burnout. So those business owners, what's interesting to me is when we ask business owners, how much time are you willing to spend on improving your business, working on your business, both entrepreneurs that are experiencing symptoms of burnout and those who have fewer symptoms, all, both of them say six to 10 hours a week or more. When we ask how much are you willing to invest in working in your business, those entrepreneurs who are less likely to be burnt out are willing, more willing to invest in their business than those who say they're not willing to invest or they're only willing to invest a small amount in working on their business. And what this says to me is we believe as entrepreneurs, we can work ourselves out of this dilemma. We don't need to ask for help. We don't need someone who can guide us along the path. We're going to figure it out ourselves because we're, you know, we're self-made people. That's part of that mentality. So I would say to that, be willing to invest and recognize that part of creating the value that you need to create and creating the margin that you need to have in your business is looking at how are you going to invest to develop yourself and how are you going to invest to develop your team? And so if you get into that place in your business where it's all about competing on price, you know, I'm going to be the lowest price person and that's how I'm going to get business. You're never going to create the margin that you need for your business to grow and get to that place where you have a real asset, where you can be away from the business. And it's all about recognizing there's, there's the, what I don't know that I don't know. And I need to know that. And I need to invest to get there. And if I'm just going to spend the time and I'm going to try to figure it out on my own, I'm going to be in the cycle of spinning my wheels Mm -hmm. all the time. The other thing that's really interesting is that those who have more systems in place in their business are less likely to be burnt out. And it, it, it really comes down to putting that attention on creating a business that is you have a clear sweet spot. There's systems there. You are putting those systems in place to run the business without you being there. And those who are less burnt out aren't necessarily saying, 
I'm retiring because I have this business that can run without me. They're saying, I'm looking at what's next. I'm curious, you know, what I'm going to do with my time. It's really interesting that I'm hearing you say, if you want to be successful and you want to not burn out and you want your business to be in it for the long haul and you want it to fulfill everything that you were hoping that you went into business in the first place, a first, be willing to invest in your development and be willing to let that development lead you to work less. Yeah. And to put more systems in place, but step back. And I'm sure that that's probably the segue into your book a little bit, but can you share with us, what is your book, um, The Four Week Vacation? And tell us about that book, because it is a fascinating idea to be able to spend more of my time as a business owner and entrepreneur developing the business so that I can step away. Yeah, I think this is a fascinating um, space and very needed for the whole entrepreneurial community. So, so I'm on a mission to disrupt this traditional story of entrepreneurship that to be successful, we have to grind it out and work 70 plus hours a week and sacrifice our health and our time with those who matter most to us all for the sake of the business. That's the traditional story. It's, it's not effective. Like Mm -hmm. there's no there, if you're on that track, there is no point where you're going to get to and be there with your business. Mm-hmm. Work supports life, not the other way around. That's the way to run your business. And so the four-week vacation grew out of the challenge that I issued to our clients who attend our retreat. They're our, our best clients at Tap the Potential, our most motivated go-getter, industry-leading business owners. And the ultimate litmus test of the strength of your business is your ability to be away from it for at least four weeks. Because in why four weeks? Well, four weeks is a complete business cycle. Typically, you will generate leads, leads will come in, sales will be made, money collected, service delivered, and then the cycle would just repeat. So if you can, if your business can do that for four weeks without you, you likely have a business that can run longer and longer without you. So that being said, the, it's not n- enough to just say, I've done the four-week vacation. I'm done. I don't ever have to do that again. That's an ongoing thing you have to do in your business. But what came out of it is when I issued that four-week vacation challenge, I watched, because I'm a psychologist, I watched how people responded. I watched the responses of those entrepreneurs. And some of them were like, yes, I'm doing this. I'm so excited. And others were like, oh, I'm worried what other people will think. What will my customers think if I'm gone for four weeks? And, you know, all the different reactions. And what I was really curious about is what happened a few weeks after people took the four-week vacation pledge and said, I'm running my business, I'm setting my business up. So in 12 to 18 months, I'm going to be able to be out for four weeks. Is Some of those who were very enthused and motivated started losing their mojo for the four-week vacation. And I thought, what is going on here? And I realized it's our what I call gremlins. You know, gremlins are our enemies of change. They are self-defeating mm-hmm. thoughts and habits and behavior. And when our gremlins get really active, I know as a coach that that's a sign that we're on the cusp of major transformation. But for the client experiencing that, it feels like I'm scared to death and I don't want to do that. And I want to keep doing things the same. And so I started hearing a lot of excuses around, you know, why I can't take a four-week vacation and how this is going to be bad. And, and then, but then something else started happening. 
the ones who shared it with their teams and their family members got more and more motivated. They actually heard from their teams that they were excited that the business owner was going to be away for four weeks. So the business owner had this fear of what will my team think? Team members are like, oh, yes, let's <laughs> number one, if they're A players, they want to show the business owner what they can do. They also are excited because it means systems will get put in place in that business and their days will be less chaotic. Do you know what it's like to be a team member in a business that's run by the seat of the pants of the business owner and what's in the business owner's head? It is chaos constantly because you the, the expectations are continually shifting and changing. So A players get excited when you say, we're setting this business up so that it can run without me because they know, oh, we're going to have some predictability. We're going to have things that we're clearly responsible for, and we're going to know exactly what we need to do. And then the other thing that starts to happen that's really fascinating is when you have to start delegating and you recognize that other people make better decisions than you in your absence. It's like, what's going on here? And that I believe that phenomena is that we tell ourselves we're the best person to make the decisions in the business but we're suffering from burnout and decision fatigue when we're making these decisions. So we're not doing our best thinking. And when we start bringing in multiple perspectives into our decision-making, which is what happens when you have a leadership team and it's not just the business owner making decisions, mm. the quality of the decisions that are made in the business improve. And so I love the term, the dumb tax. I have a client who says, I can't fathom the amount of dumb tax I have made my family and my team members suffer because of my poor decision-making. And so when you involve others in the decision-making, we're, we're going to pay less and less dumb tax. Hmm. What's, uh, the, I can relate to this. Um, I, I was in education for 17 years. and when you would set expectations in the classroom, you, you would have a productive classroom, not only in as far as uh, uh, learning taking place, but discipline uh, taking place because there were systems in place for the classroom. And then you would, you would have uh, teachers that were not successful and it's because they were just treating it just like the entrepreneur was in their mind with every time they came in, every day they came in, it was a different classroom, different, different procedures, different organizations, different ideas. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, why can't I have the same type of classroom as these other teachers are having? Yeah, and it's because no they, there, there's no predictability. And we strive as humans uh, to have predictability because predictability has some safety in it. And that's why everybody can't be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and you do have to have those team members, as you call them, which I think is a great, a great phrase, team member. Yeah. We, it, interestingly enough, my first edition of How to Hire the Best has employees throughout the book and it's on the cover. And we've shifted that because team members own, they take ownership. They're a part of things. And it's, it's like we're all a team. So it's a very different mentality even to run the business on. So you asked what's in the book, The Four-Week Vacation. So it, there's a lot in the book, in The Four-Week Vacation. So the first part 
I really dive into the science and the psychology of how working less makes us most effective. And I hit this very hard because I get pushback all the time from entrepreneurs that are in the midst of, you know, the, the, fight or flight response in their business and feeling like they have to just work harder. And so I thought I need to show all the psychology and all the research that shows we are more effective when we don't work as much. So that's the first part of the book is really how stepping away makes you more effective. The second part of the book contains the tap the potential solution. The tap the potential solution comes from 15 years of me working with business owners, reading books, all the great books that are out there, Profit First, Pumpkin Plan, Traction, E-Myth, you know, Simple Numbers by Greg Crabtree, all these, all these really good books are out there. But no one has ever pulled together the solution to designing a business that's sustainably profitable, that gives you more time for what matters most and more money in your bank account than ever. That's what the tap the potential solution is. It's how you pull it all together. So it is high-level strategy. And the ultimate outcome of the tap the potential solution is that you are creating life in your business for yourself, for your team members. You're impacting not just your business and the people involved, but you're impacting the, the community and the, the whole ecosystem around the business because people are learning in that business how to be better human beings. Mm. This has just been fascinating today. And I love when I am even more surprised during an interview than I am before the interview with someone. And this has just been really, really fascinating, not only from the research perspective to what you've packed into the book, to the length of time that you've been doing these studies and really questioning why are we seeing these things and what is the solution to that? I think I mean, there's a meta lesson in the whole thing um, also that we can all be better at looking at the, the data around us and yeah. analyzing that and pulling together what, what does this actually mean and how can we address this and create solutions. But I would say the idea of putting systems in place, I'm seeing this more specifically than ever in our family, even you, you need systems around all of the things that you do in a family or a family is chaos. And that's not what anyone wants when they think about, I want a family that's loving and that we have good relationships and we have great memories and we create these experiences together. And those relationships continue on for decades into generations. And so I'm working on a book as well, releasing this fall, it's around the idea of creating a family legacy but what I wanted to share even more than just having a family system, having a business system, you also need a financial system in your personal life and your business life. And whenever you put a system in place, it's almost like a habit that then it takes your mental energy off of having to think about every single thing and make 500 decisions. It's just a habit. It's a routine that you can systematically follow and not have to expend all the mental energy. I mean, you can boil this down to, you hear of the the people, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg um, yes. that wears the same shirt color every single day because yeah. they take that, that decision-making out of what am I going to wear? And then you just focus your creativity on the things that actually matter. And I think there's so much value in having a system. And mm -hmm. I would say, a meta system needed is a system for personal development and a system for investing in yourself and your business. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is so true. We are what we consistently do on a daily basis. So our habits 
our systems need to support what's most important to us and who we want to become. And so our greatest opportunity is to look at what's important and what am I doing today that is in alignment with what's important to me, but what am I doing that's not in alignment and let go of it and get it out of there because it's creating that chaos that we don't need in our lives. So what is important to you and how can you live your life in alignment with that? So, so meaningful. If you take nothing else, take that nugget and run with that from the show today. So Dr. Sabrina, how can our guests find you and plug into the assessment? I saw that on your website as well, as I was checking out everything before the show today. Um, How can our listeners find that assessment, be part of that research study, find out what they need to personally be working on, get your book or sign up to hear about it when it releases and find out more about Tap the Potential. Yeah, so four-week vacation releasing October 26th. When you take the assessment, you will become, you'll get on our mailing list. So you'll hear about the book and when it's coming out, you will, so you can take the assessment at tapthepotential.com forward slash assessment. The other opportunity is I offer one of our, the most popular training that I've ever delivered, how to make your time worth $10,000 an hour, which by the way, is all about working from your zone of genius and doing what you love and your highest contribution. Spoiler alert. Um, That's available for free at tapthepotential.com forward slash 10K. And that is really the greatest introduction to what's in the four-week vacation. Because that's what I found where people start really thinking about what's their highest and best value contribution in the business and the best use of their time, where it gets easier to say no and to really look at delegating and bringing other team in to support the business. So that's available at tapthepotential.com forward slash 10K and including my chart of $10,000 an hour activities for business owners. Fabulous. Well, sounds like something that anyone can go get tremendous value from going to tapthepotential.com slash 10K and slash assessment, two separate links. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Bruce, is there anything that you wanted to share before we wrap up today? No, I think if if anybody is looking uh, to look at great themes that are going on, I do think this we're starting to squash the grind theme Mm-hmm. If you look at the overall social media thing, which I think is a is a very a very good good thing, um, so I'm excited and I'm glad Dr. Sabrina came on today, and uh, we're looking forward to the release of her book. Thank you. Can I offer one more thing? Yes, your- please. So I've listened to the Money Advantage podcast, and you guys are doing an incredible job. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And for those of you who are podcast listeners, one of the things that you can do to pay back the value that you're getting from a good podcast like the Money Advantage, number one, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Number two, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And the reason that's important is it will help more people like you discover the show and immediately feel confident in the value. And we all look at those reviews before we buy books, before we listen to podcasts. We want to know, is this worth my time? Because our time is our most precious resource. So if you've gotten value, please leave Rachel and Bruce an honest review on the podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. Sabrina. That is uh, fabulous. And I just really appreciate you sharing that. And 
Absolutely true. So thank you so much for listening to this episode today, wherever you're finding it. If you are on Apple Podcasts, or you're listening live on LinkedIn or YouTube or Facebook, we'd love to hear from you. And you can always comment right where you're finding us as well and subscribe on the channel that you found us and hop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you check podcasts and uh, listen there as well. So in closing, please remember, oh, I'm sorry. Also, thank you, Dr. Sabrina, for being here today. (laughs) I'm forgetting to thank you. Thank you for your time that you've shared with us to really just be able to share this message and to get your, um, just to be able to share the passion that you have, but really create strategies and give clear guidance on exactly how to solve these giant problems that are so human and so relatable to every single one of us. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Please remember in closing, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Cato's Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Cato's Management Incorporated, and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Cato's Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.